You're listening to Pastor Scott Rising of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you'll be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled Legacy of Love, recorded on Sunday, October 29th, 2017. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Scott as he preaches. Listen, this attack on God's design has many, many casualties, but none potentially greater than on fatherhood. At this very moment, there are a staggering number of children that are growing up in homes without a father. And this is not by chance or by accident. See, our culture has diminished the role of father to, to the point where they would say that we are disposable. Fathers are disposable or trivial. Um, sperm donors, the heavy, right? Enforcers. This is one of my favorites. Mom with biceps, right? I've heard that one. Um, this one, babysitters. And, and by the way, man, I've even heard men say, well, you, do you want to go out you know, to the game today? And they're like, no, I got to stay home and babysit the kids. Can, can I just like gently, lovingly say, you're not babysitting your kids, you're their father, okay? Like babysitting is like something someone else does. Father spends time with their children, Right To the point is the culture would go as far to say that there's no need for a father and that you can raise children perfectly fine with no ill effect even if there's no father present. If you're paying attention, you'll notice that our culture has worked hard to systematically neuter fathers in the role of the family. Right? The focus is very much on the mother as the centerpiece of the family. And, and I want to say, just to make sure that we're all very clear, mothers have a vital role within the family, but they're not the father. And, and, and I want to say that we must remember that mothers have a calling within the family, and fathers have a calling in the family, and they're not the same. That's important to remember because every child feels the deep need and longing for their father. It's in them. It's in every child. Yet I'm sad to report that according to the U.S. Census Bureau data, 43% of all children in the United States live in a home where there is no father. The effects of this terrible reality are horrifically staggering. According to the U.S. Department of Health, 63% of all youth suicides occur in a fatherless home. The same agency reports that 90% of all runaway children live in a home where there is no father. Further, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention reports that in 2012 that 85% of children who saw behavioral uh, disorders come from a fatherless home. That's 20 times the national average. And I could go on and on with statistics And remember, this is only showing statistics of families where the fathers are not physically present, right? It's not even taken into account the numerous amount of families who have fathers in them, but only enough to put breath on glass and maybe some some money in the bank, right? They're, They're not physically even there, even though they might bring home a paycheck. They provide money, but not much more. See, this crisis has left in its wake a path of destruction, and we are all feeling its effects in some shape or fashion. I can tell you that like, I worked for Radio Shack, and, and for many years, I had many college students who worked for me. Many of them had no father in their life, and it was easy to see as soon as I hired them. It, it is definitely a huge problem. And, and we need men to be good fathers, 
not just sperm donors. And, and men, being a father is both an amazing privilege and it is a monumental responsibility. Men, we are to take the lead in our homes. And, and this includes pointing our children to the grace of God through the blood of Christ. Many men are often confused about their calling to fatherhood. They're, un, they're unsure of what it even involves. And, and before we even get too far, I want to make sure that I say, I by no way profess to be father of the year or an expert on this subject or, or the man with all the answers. I, I'm not. I am a daddy. And I am a sinner in need of grace. So, by God's grace, what we need to do is humble ourselves, right? And turn to the transforming power of God's word. We need to look to our perfect father, right? And we see him in the word. So, let's go to 1 Kings 2, 1 through 3. And I'll give you a moment to turn there. And uh, I'm going to read. So, so, when David's time to die drew near... He commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules and his testimonies as written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Now, I want you to think about the scene that's laid before us. I mean, try to imagine what's going on right now. It's a somber moment, right? King David, right? Goliath slayer. He killed a bear. He killed a lion. He's on his deathbed. You know, where it says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. This is a fancy description of death. And he's talking to Solomon. And in his last moments, what are his final parting words? Well, look what it says. I mean, his last moments... In this moment, he's thinking legacy. He's ready to hand the baton to his son. He is saying, son, be strong and courageous. He says, act like a man. He's, he's saying, keep the charge of your Lord, your God, by knowing and doing the word. In a sense, it's kind of like he's saying, even what we see in the Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He's saying, son, stick close to the Lord and act like a man. And he's ready to die. He's telling his son this. And as I thought over this text, as I was thinking and and praying and preparing to bring the word, I thought, what kind of legacy did David leave his children, right? And, and we could spend all evening talking about that, but we're not going to do that. But, but I do know this about David from the word. He was a man after God's own heart, right? We know that about him. But this dude was a colossal sinner, right? He was. He was a repentant man. He was a forgiven man. And, and he was a man in desperate need of grace, in so many ways, he's just like you and I. And, and we will face this moment in our lives when we will leave our sons and our daughters and we will stand before the Lord and we will give an account. It has been said that when good fathers die, it's always too soon. And that's true. That is a fact. And yet, this moment's coming for all of us where we will go the way of the earth. Unless the Lord returns soon, we're all going that way. So, so it has me thinking legacy. What kind of legacy are we leaving? What kind of legacy are you and I leaving behind to our children? 
What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind for our children? What do you want to be remembered for? See, every one of us is past a legacy, lives out a legacy, and passes one on to the next generation. It's not really an option. See, we all leave a legacy behind, whether one of life and, and, and vitality and love or one of death and destruction. You will leave your children a legacy. And See, when I think of leaving a legacy, I think of leaving Sarah a legacy of love. See, this is what I want to leave Sarah. I want to leave her a legacy of love. And, and if by God's grace he gives me grandchildren, I want to leave them a legacy of love. And the legacy I'm thinking about has little to do with like time or, or business, right? Or jobs and riches and money. Um, I've been left a lot of things uh, in my life. Many of them were good. But I also want to break the generational sin patterns that have been left behind to me from my family. Um, I want to break this cycle of death and destruction that has ravaged a part of my family. See, I want to demonstrate by God's grace a life of love. And, and when, I want to bl- when I blow it, and I will, and I do often, which like it was never more prevalent than when I'm preparing to preach on fatherhood this week, I want to be able to say to my daughter, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am foremost. Sinners just like daddy. Sinners just like mommy. Sinners just like you. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this is where we must begin in any legacy talk, right? New life in Jesus makes new legacies possible. Listen to 1 John 4, 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, to leave a legacy of love, we must know the deep love of Christ displayed within the gospel. The cross of Jesus is what makes sinners like us right with God. And it's, it's what frees us up to delight in God as our heavenly father. The good news of what Jesus has done for us changes everything. It is a life-changing moment, and it's a legacy changer too. And that's the thing. You now have power. And see, when we place our faith in Jesus, we are given the gift of salvation. Yes, that's a fact. But many times we stop in that moment. But we're also given real power. Real power to change our lives because we've been given a helper in the Holy Spirit. And and this should give us an unshakable hope that that we can be different as fathers. We can be different. We can break the, the trends that maybe have been left behind to us. If it's a good trend, then keep it going. But if it's not, we've been given real power to change. See, the life that Jesus gives is real and true life. It's freedom, it's joy, it's peace, it's courage, and it's whatever else that you need to live a life that resembles your heavenly father. And it's all a gift of grace. It's all given in love. And that's the beauty. So that means change is possible. In Christ, we are loved and forgiven. Yes, amen. We have had our sins perfectly covered by the blood of Christ. 
So in order to leave a legacy of love, you must know that the Father loves us by sending Jesus to die in our place so that we might have life in him through Jesus. To be given, uh, to be a life-giving Father who loves your children, you must know the one who loves you and who gives you life from the overflow of his heart. See, leaving a legacy of love requires that we know the Father who loves us through his word. And I'm going to camp out on this one for a moment. See, fathers, it's imperative, and and actually, church, it's imperative that you be a man or a woman of God. Of the word, though, of the Bible. And see, some of you might be thinking, oh, yeah, easy for you to say, Mr. Pastor Man, right? Like, that's what you do for a living. Okay, can I just, like, state something that I think is extremely obvious? A, I was not born a pastor, okay? B, I was not born in a Christian home with a Christian mommy and daddy. And, and C, in high school, I was voted least likely to even be a Christian, okay? So it didn't come naturally to me. Um, And so it should not be surprising to you that at the age of 23, when Jesus saved me, I was utterly and totally clueless when it came to the Bible, to the Word of God. I I remember early on Jesse encouraging me to get in the Bible, right? And and that was a good thing, but all I heard that as nagging, right? So I'm a new born-again man, and and she's like, "You, you know, you need to read your Bible. And she's being very kind and very good. But I would try it, okay? So in order to please my wife and do this Christian thing, I grabbed this Bible thing and I started to read it. And as I did, I remember how challenging it was at first. But as I began to read it, the book, it seemed to work for me, right? I started just like I would start in any book. I started at the beginning and I began to read it. And I thought, man, there's some jacked up people in the Bible, which was comforting for me because I was one of those people. And But as I went on, things started to get very confusing to me. Um, Things that had already happened started to happen again, and I was not really understanding all this. So I got stuck, and I got confused, and I got very frustrated. And many times, I would put it down, and I would just walk away, and I'd leave it there for quite some time. But I remember this one time in particular. I was sitting on the edge of the couch, and I was trying to stay awake and read this Bible like a good Christian man. And so my head kept nodding because I was tired and I was falling asleep. So I'd sit up on the edge of the couch a little more, a little straighter, because I'm trying to stay awake. I didn't want to be too comfortable. And that worked for a bit. But the next thing I remember is like face first, crashing down on a hardwood floor. And like the Bible goes flying, the glasses go flying, and... And I hear Jess from upstairs and she's like, are, are you okay? Because I, I have a feeling she probably thought I had a heart attack and died because she sees my diet. And, um, and so I'm like, yeah. But inside I'm like, no, I'm not okay actually. As a matter of fact, there's nothing about me that is okay right now. Because that night I was frustrated. I was humiliated. And I remember praying that night that God would humble me and actually give me a love for his word. I, I didn't love it. As a Christian, I was saved. I just didn't understand it. But that night, man, God answered my prayers. And, and by his grace, I would come to know and to love the Bible. But it wasn't the Bible that I loved. It was God that I loved. And I, and I saw him in and through his word. And I began to enjoy the, the Bible because I enjoyed knowing my father. So fathers, listen. It is our God-given responsibility to train up our children. 
It, it is not the responsibility of those who have them on Sunday morning for an hour and a half in the back. It is not the responsibility of the youth pastor or the youth helpers. It is not the responsibility of the main preaching, teaching pastor. Although these people will all play a part in that, it is your responsibility to train your children in the ways of the Lord. You're their pastor daddy. I remember hearing that. And Pastor Mike told me that. And and man, that was an impactful thing. But think about that. You're shepherding your children. You're shepherding them. It is impossible. It is impossible to be strong and show yourself a man, as the text says, and to keep the charge of the Lord and, and to walk in his ways and keep his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the Bible if you don't know the God who reveals himself in and through it. It's impossible. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And we should notice that in verse 5, listen, Jesus called this the first and greatest commandment, and he also added the phrase, with all your mind. Okay? So, so we must, to understand this text... This is what it means to leave a legacy of love to our children. See, what's being laid out here is what we need to know. And this is the practical piece, right? And I promise that the rest of this time together with you, we're not going to be, here's your next 12 steps to be the best Christian father ever. But this piece is pivotal. We ourselves must love God wholeheartedly, man. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Fathers, first and foremost, we must remember we're disciples. We're children of the Father, right? And, and we have to have those commandments pressed in upon our hearts. Simply put, this means that we cannot be hypocritical or inconsistent with our lips and our life matching up. Because our children, man, they are hounds, And they will sniff out hypocrisy like no other. They are watching you, I promise. And and they can smell a bogus love for the Lord. They can just, it's like they can see it a mile away. You can fool them for a short time, maybe for a season. But you cannot say that you love Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul. But then live as though work or golf or archery hunting or fishing or race cars or whatever it is you're into actually has your attention. All day, every day. See, they'll sniff that out. Our lips have to match our lives. We are to instruct our children in the commandments that have first taken root in our own hearts. Or you can't do it. To teach them diligently, you must know the word. This instruction comes in the context of our whole lives, not just a moment that happens on a Sunday morning. Right? Notice also it says, it's talking about teaching them practically, Not only academically, 
right? And this is important because, see, verse 7 is not promoting family lectures that produce no fruit. And I remember, man, I never even heard the term family worship, but as a new Christian, people started to introduce that to me, and they handed me, like, a hymnal and then, like, a guide on how to do this thing, and I'm like, that seems overwhelming. And um, so we attempted to do this big crescendo moment in our home, and it never went well. I got to be honest with you because like it was like craziness would happen. So as I'm looking at this text, it says when we sit, okay, when we walk, okay, when we lie down, all right, yeah, when we rise, it's a picture of our whole life. And so I remember just many times with Sarah, we'd be walking, we'd be sitting, we'd be outside and we'd see a bird. And I'm like, you see that bird over there? And she's like, yeah, I see that bird, dad. And I'm like, you know that God made that bird? And she's like, yeah, I know God made that bird. And I'm like, you see the feathers? I mean, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, he, he did that. He's, he's the creator. He's the designer. Do you know that bird is like not wondering where it's going to get its next worm from? And she's like, yeah, Dad, I, I know that. Do you know that that bird actually has like this really awesome house that we call a nest? Yeah, and like God takes care of that bird, right? She's like, yeah, Dad, I, I know all that. Do you know that if you gathered every bird that is in this whole thing we call earth, And gather them together. God loves you more than all those birds. And she's like, really? Yeah, so much so that he sent his son to save you. And we're reading the gospel. Dad, you can do that. I promise you can do that. And, And so it's just all day, every day, we're talking about the Lord. Do I blow it sometimes? Yeah, often. Are there days where we don't get that done? Yes. But it's a constant battle. See, This is a picture of your whole life. What we're doing here is not so much a series of lectures and classes with our children, but it's a relationship with the one true living God. And know this, men, listen, it will never be easy. It will never come naturally. There will never be a moment where all the stars align and everyone gathers around Father because they're so excited to hear the teaching that you have. That's not going to happen because you're fighting a war and you have real enemies. You have the devil. You have the flesh. You have the world. And they're all warring against you and they seek to teach your children. But you, you've been entrusted with the word of God, the Holy Spirit, to teach them diligently. So, man, that's what we must do. There have been many times in my home where it seems like, all right, like, it's time. We're going to get into the word. And like every demon from every area zip code shows up. The phone's ringing. The dog's puking. Heads are spinning. Craziness is happening. And I'm like, man, we just like had dinner and played a video game, watched a movie. None of that's going on. Oh, hey, let's crack open the Bible. Craziness. It'll never be easy. And you must fight. You must fight for your children. It's your job. And so fathers, listen, start wherever you're at. Just start and be genuine, practical, and creative. And man, there, is so, there are so many helps out there. And if you need any ideas, I'd love to shoot you a whole bunch of different ideas. So this is what's encouraged in verse 8 and 9. And that cannot happen until you've been impacted deeply by the love of your heavenly father. See, by God's grace, this is what happened to me as he answered my prayer uh, that I prayed that night in pure humiliation. See, you cannot know the heart of the father without knowing the father. And you cannot know the father apart from the word of God. I promise you, it's impossible. 
Okay, so, so God answers my prayer, and I'm thankful for his perfect timing because not long after this, God would give us the gift of a daughter. And I remember this, this time with vivid detail, right? After 29 and a half hours of agonizing labor, at 7.06 p.m. on August 5th, 2005, Sarah Louise Rising makes her entrance into the world. And she was absolutely lovely with the biggest blue eyes. And I thought in that moment, there is nothing that I would not do for that child, for that little girl. Wait a minute, little girl? First off, I don't even know what to do with a little girl, Lord. And, and before I know it, G- Jessie is swept away because she just had emergency surgery. And here I am, and I'm holding this little girl, and it's me and this nurse, and I'm freaking out, right? I'm overwhelmed with joy. I'm overwhelmed with excitement. I finally understand what does it mean to actually pray without ceasing. And I'm like, what do I do? And I, I tell you, I didn't know. So I'm following this lady. They're taking me back to this room. All right, well, that night passes. God gives me the grace. I go home. The nurses are taking care of them now, and, and, and I'm excited about that, so I go home. But in a short moment, we bring home this little girl. And I remember Jesse and I did our best to love her well. And, and I felt this amazing weight of responsibility to be the best daddy that I possibly could. And, and I've heard it said uh, that, and, and I quote, children are created to look to their dad in the house as a picture of God. And I remember hearing that. And I remember thinking, man, that is, that is powerful, right? And I felt the weight of that. And I began to think that over the first few years of being a father. And I'm to be a picture of God to this girl. Okay, God is powerful, right? God is worthy of all trust. God is authoritative and he disciplines those whom he loves. But the more I read the Bible the more I got to know the heart of my father. Man, God is glorious, and he is good, and he is kind, and he is generous, and he is loving, and he is forgiving, and he's a God of steadfast love and mercy and grace. And that's the kind of father that my daughter needs, and by his grace, that's the father I want to be for her, I thought. So I began to pray. But there's a few things that got in the way of that. Um, Number one, she's a sinner, okay? It didn't take long to figure that out. I remember she was just like so perfect, never did anything wrong. But then there was this moment. And and this moment just happened in, in a moment, like on a dime. It just switched. She never had any negative influences in her entire life. But one day I remember asking her to do something that was very just easy. It wasn't anything uh challenging for her to do I just said hey daddy needs you to go do this and I remember her just like no and I'm like oh oh not in this house oh no you did not okay so so the fact that she's a sinner got in the way of this but then there's another problem um I'm a sinner and and so that got in the way of this amazing plan to be like the best daddy ever and so um so listen fathers listen A father's love is not the same as God's love, but it does reflect the truth of God's love. Good fathers are to be a reflection of God's grace. So leaving a legacy of love requires that you reflect God's love, even if it's a blurred picture of his love. You see, this shift in my my brain that needed to happen was that father's primary role is one of a gracious forgiver not a punisher. 
And, and I needed that dynamic shift within my own mind. And as, as I went to the Word of God, I see this over and over. And this truth is learned as much as it is observed, as much as it is with your own words. To give you a picture of this, I want to share a story about my own father. And at this time, what you've got to understand is my dad was not a Christian. Okay? Um, and so this is what it means to, to see it, right? Because we can say it, but man, I, need, I needed to see it. And I tell you, I got to see a picture of God's love through my father, who's an unbeliever, and I didn't even understand it at that time, but I see it now. It was a really snowy day, and, and I was hanging out. It was the dead of winter. I was hanging out with a few of the neighborhood friends that I actually had, and, and we were outside playing. It was much like every other day that we ever did in the winter time. I was probably in fifth or sixth grade at the time. And this particular day, we were sled riding. Um, we were you know, throwing snowballs, playing football, wrestling, beating the snot out of each other, even though we really weren't hurting anyone because we had like 19 layers of clothing, and then we had a snowsuit. Um, but I remember that that day I stood up and there's this one young girl, her name's Megan, and she grabs this chunk of ice that had just fallen off of Mr. Wissinger's roof. It was a huge chunk of ice. And she takes it and she's all smiling and she like chucks it at me. And it, it hits me in an area no young man wants to get hit, right? And so I drop to my knees and I'm hurting. Um, probably much of my pride more than anything but in a moment, I'm now angry because everyone around me is like laughing and it's all at my expense. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's funny, right? And so I pick up this chunk of ice and like any good young man would do, I like pretend to throw it at her face and she flinches and runs. And I'm like, ha, ha, good. You know, by the way, it's not what good young men do. Um, but that goes without saying, I hope. So as she's running by, I'm still angry. I'm still angry. And so I take this chunk of ice and I'm just like, and I throw it as high and as far as I possibly can. Not even thinking that this whole thing, gravity is going to come back to get me and that it would actually land upon someone's head, particularly her head. Um, And so it did. It landed right on her head and her blonde hair turned pinkish red. And yeah, that's, that's not good. And so I remember watching everyone run over to her in a moment. In this moment, I felt horrible weight in this pit of my stomach. And so I, I did like any guy should do. I ran over to see how she was. No, I took off running towards the woods. And I'm hiding, right? Because in this moment, I mean, I had a lot of thoughts going through my mind. Number one, is she okay? Uh, number two, uh, can I ever go home again? I'm going to be killed tonight. Uh, and so I find this spruce tree and I like crawl under it. And I'm like crying. And I got tears and snot freezing to my face. And I'm sitting there for what seemed like uh, forever. Probably wasn't all that long at all. And, and, not thinking about my tracks. I'm thinking no one's ever going to find me. Maybe they won't even look for me. And I'm sitting there. And uh, so as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, here comes my dad. And I'm like, oh, this ain't good. There's like a whole bunch of tree limbs. And this is like, you know, maybe you'll have me pick one. And, and he just like crawls under this tree and he gives me a hug. And he doesn't say anything. And he just hugs me. And I'm like, this is wild because this is like my dad is a strong disciplinarian man. But in that moment, God gave him grace to give me grace. And he's hugged me. He's told me, he said, listen, Meg's okay. She had a couple stitches. And, and, and listen, everything's going to be all right. Come home. Mom's got dinner. And I'm like, wow. So, so we went home and, and man, that was a picture of God's grace in my life 
through my father as an unbelieving man. And I'll never forget it. This would forever shape me. That moment would forever shape me. And fathers, listen, you matter a great deal when it comes to your children's faith. Give them grace. <laughs> Give them grace. When, when your heart and your mind has been impacted by the gospel, you will make the gospel visible to your children. See, there's a real problem There's a real fatherhood problem in our culture. And the solution is not more rules and more law for them. No, no. What is needed is more gospel. What is needed is more forgiveness. What is needed is more grace and mercy and freedom and love. Not more rules. That's not what's needed. And and see, this is something I have to fight with everything I have inside of me. Because this does not come natural to me. Um, As a matter of fact, I always want to come up with more rules to control. That's what I want to do. That's my natural bent. But I've learned this does nothing to change anyone's heart. And by God's grace, we need to hand out more grace when our natural inclination is to hand out more rules and more law. See, the law will never produce the righteousness or the change of heart that we so desire. Only grace, only the gospel, only love can actually do that. And a father's love is to be centered on grace that... It doesn't mean we're passive or permissive either, though, right? We discipline, and there's a proper time to do that. And in our home, listen, we disciplined two things, and that was it. Number one, back talk. It was not ever allowed, no back talk allowed, so we would discipline that. The other thing was just outright rebellion and disobedience to authority. Those were the two things we disciplined, and we were, we were tough love with that. But if you made a mess, I mean, kids make messes. Right? If you're silly, kids are silly. And so we gave freedom to be able to mess up. See, our kids need boundaries to feel safe, but those boundaries should give them space to roam and to mess up. And, and when they do, and they will often, this is your chance to be the mouthpiece of grace and love in your family's life and to point them to Jesus who saves. What a it's a golden opportunity for us to bring the gospel in. And, and fathers, we must, by God's grace, provide a safe place for our children to first taste and see that the Lord is good in our home. In our home. See, the best fathers give out grace and love, even when they don't understand why their children do what they do. And so here's a story of an amazing father just like that. And this, this story is told from the lips of Jesus. And it goes without saying that Jesus is the greatest storyteller ever. And, you, and listen, you know this story. It's found in Luke 15, 11 through 24. It's, it's the prodigal son. And I'm not going to take the time to teach him, but I want you to listen for the heart of your father. I want you to listen for his love, his compassion, his mercy, and his kindness, just as I read the word, right? So there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, he said, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. All right, pause. Here's what you need to know. This ungrateful son just demanded his share of his inheritance so that he can get on living with his life the way he wants to. But what you need to know is in a sense, in order for that to happen, in a sense, what the son is saying, I wish you were dead, dad. Could you hurry up? Right? Quit taking so many multivitamins because what I'm looking for is your money. Okay? And I've been hanging around waiting for you to die. But you look like you're in pretty good health. So can I just have the cash now? That's what's happening in this picture. 
And look what it says. And he divided his property between them. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out as one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But in this moment, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. See, the son is in a dark pit. And he realizes that his only chance at life, at real life, is to return to his father. The same father he wished would die and beg for mercy. And so we'll continue. But while he was still a long way off, I want you to picture this. Ask God to help you see the beauty that's in this moment. While he's a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion. And he ran. He ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. I mean, this this is our father in heaven. This is his heart. Do you see it? And the son said to him, Father, he says, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. I love that. For this, my son was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now listen, I know this story is called the prodigal son, right? But it's so much about our father who's in heaven. It's about his heart. He had compassion. He kissed him. He embraced him. He welcomed him home. The son was begging for mercy and, and by the way, so mercy, it has been said, and I quote, mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? It cancels the million-dollar debt. And grace, grace is getting what you don't deserve. It actually fills the bank account with a billion dollars. Man, I love that because that's what's happening in this picture, in this moment. What a powerful picture of amazing grace. And I remember years ago going to a men's retreat with Harvest Community Church. It was the first one I ever attended. And this exact story was preached and taught. And I remember, man, that is a beautiful picture of love. That's the kind of father I want to be. And it has forever changed my approach and how I approach being a daddy. Church, listen. This parable is not some sort of fairy tale. It's not. No, this is our story. This father has shown us absolutely unhindered love and affection. And we, we have all flat out denied him, abandoned him, and wished him dead. This is true of all of us. We're all guilty, disobedient sinners. And because of this truth, we deserve death and condemnation. 
Our lives would be utterly hopeless if it were not for the mercy and the grace and the steadfast love of this amazing Father. The Father who offers us life through the blood of His Son upon the cross. See, the Father who acts graciously towards us on the account of Jesus, even when we openly reject him, right? He continues to love and to pursue. This is the Father. This is the one I'm praying that you would get to know in the word of God and that that would shape how you are fathering and parenting those within your home. See, Romans 5, 8 says that, but God shows his love. Shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the heart of the Father. You see, dads, we need to be forgiven as often as we need to forgive. Man, every day I got to go to the cross and remind myself, I cannot do this apart from you, dad. I need you. Give me the power to love like that. Because naturally, I just want to love me. I got that down. But I need you to fill my heart with your love so I can love like you love. I need grace to be able to dish out grace. See, if if you're filled with anything but that, that's what's going to come out. And so God, fill my heart. Help me to love like that. You and I desperately need grace in order to freely give it out. Have you received this grace? See, that's the question that I have for you right now. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Have you become a son or a daughter of the living God through faith in Jesus? It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Have you received that? But to all who did receive, right, who all believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you his children? Are you his child by faith? Because if you are, Well, then you go to your dad every day as you seek to be a father, as you seek to love like he loves. And and listen, in closing, listen, I want to speak to single moms. I want to speak to single men. But I want to first speak to the single moms. First of all, I want you to know that you are so loved by your father in heaven. You're so loved. And, and, and I want to share a truth that is found within the Bible all over the pages, Right? And it's this, that where what is ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Grace abounds. You might be thinking, well, I don't even have a father in the picture for my children. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Pray and seek the Lord, right? That he can powerfully make up any, any difference from an absentee father. He can I've seen it throughout the church and throughout my own life. Do your best to place them around godly men, right? Do that. Work towards that through community groups or different ways. Point them to God the Father and know that he'll fill in all the gaps. He will. His grace is sufficient. (laughs) That's good news, right? And, And he is the perfect father to the fatherless. All is not lost and God's grace is sufficient for you and your children. Single men... Listen, submit yourself to King Jesus. Submit yourself and love and serve the church. See, many of you need to work through your own issues. You need to work through your own issues. Do not pass them on. Listen, if, if God graciously gives you a wife and children, then you need to know him now. 
Don't wait till you are a father or a husband. See, no, no. Real men, listen, real men don't live in isolation from others. No, they are disciples. They make disciples and they're discipled. Don't wait till you're married with children to learn about what it means to grow in Christ. By God's grace, be a man worthy, worthy of a woman, worthy of children. And in closing, I, I want to say to everyone, listen, this perfect father we have access to by the grace of God through the blood of Christ. And so no matter what, no matter whether your, your dad was a great dad or not a great dad or somewhere in between, none of us are orphans or need to be because we have access to a perfect father in heaven through the blood of Christ. So get to know him. He loves you, okay? Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.